You're listening to Raising Anchor, a Rhode Island FC podcast. We're glad you're here. Hello and welcome to Raising Anchor, your podcast and source for all things Rhode Island FC. I'm your host, Matt Entrican, and with me as always is the legendary co-host, Jason Carey. Jason, how is it hanging? Pretty good, buddy. Um, legendary. Putting some high praise there. I feel like I need to start mixing up the introduction a little bit. Someone said, oh, that's a recording, and, it, and it, there's other recordings in the in the podcast, but I'm going to start trying to get a little more, you know, loosey goosey with how I how I bring you in onto the onto the podcast. So get ready for some exciting adjectives in the in future in future releases. All right, yeah, I'll I'll have to uh, to start thinking about how I can spice things up there too. Oh, we don't we're spicing <laughs> things up already. I love it. Do you do you not think legendary applies for you? Is that not an appropriate uh, introduction? Oh, uh, I mean, maybe legendary in some circles. <laughs> I don't know. Can we say those uh, uh, out in public on a podcast, or would that out you? That, that I don't know. I mean, you know, in our group, I'm I'm le- I'm known for a certain trick that we're not going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe save that for uh, for a Patreon. Save that for or the Patreon. Yeah, but but you know, I'm legendary. Maybe <laughs> working on it. <laughs> Do you do you feel it's too soon for legendary? Is there is there more episodes that need to be recorded before you? Because this is only what nine or ten. Is is do you need at least at least fifty before the the L word can be tossed around like that? Possibly part of it. Like I I only have like one or two grays kind of shining through there. So maybe I need to get some more under my belt to kind of really have that claim to fame. You need more W's in the column than L's, right? Yeah. <laughs> too too many draws. We're not we're not picking up enough points here. It's really causing an issue. Oh. Confidence is low. <laughs> gotta gotta get the squad morale up. Where's Coach Kano when you need him, right? So having said that, uh it's good to see you. Good to good to be back on. Another another fine recording session. Uh lots to talk about today. Uh, some news, some just kind of recaps of things that have been happening around the club and around the great state of Rhode Island in the last week. Um, so I think we should just dive in here, and I believe you've got some updates for us around potential spring training. Yeah, so we got an announcement here uh, from the club about uh, some training here in February. So uh, we're looking at the IMG Arena Spring Training so Rhode Island FC announced today that they will begin preseason training at Bryant University in mid-January and travel to the prestigious IMG Academy in Brandonton, Florida for two weeks of preseason training in early February 2024. In all, Rhode Island FC will engage in eight weeks of preseason training. So yeah, only two down there, and I guess the other six are going to be up here. I wonder if they're going to that'll be the middle or well that's interesting so i we know the club starts its official operations in january so i think they do medical check-ins and sign-offs for like first or second week of january um but looking at this timetable they're saying early february and it's eight weeks my assumption was the league started in march but to make it eight weeks 
would put it at the like very end of March. So that's that's actually exciting because I think we've talked off pod about how will this team train in the you know less than favorable weather conditions. Uh, I think when we start asking ourselves, well, how do other professional clubs do that across you know the pond? And and you found out that they they just they button up and pull their bootstraps up. <laughs> yeah, and I, I you know it it makes sense, right? Because you'd want to be able to be able to demonstrate you can perform in the same weather conditions you'll have to play on game day. I just I guess I always thought that they had some sort of indoor like arena or stadium where they could do that kind of practicing or that on snow days they just conditioned more and did regenerative you know repair work but no that's that that, this florida is great it's going to be eight weeks i i can't ask for a better situation i'm glad that they've identified that ahead of ahead of the launch of the season again we don't have a team yet but it's good to know where they'll be kind of getting their first kicks in uh, what else we got about that news? Yes, yeah, so let's get back into that real quick here. So head coach Kano Smith commented on the news by saying, investing in preseason training at one of the top training facilities in the country showcases our commitment to creating an environment that fosters growth and development for our team. Preseason training is key to building a roster that all Rhode Island can be proud of. I look forward to sharing more details about preseason matches in the coming months. And then Jason here, head of team administration, had to add, IMG Academy offers the club an all-inclusive training site that replicates the professional training environment. The campus provides world-class training fields and facilities as well as the highest quality accommodations to allow the team to focus without distractions during this crucial time. While training at Bryant University and IMG Academy, Rhode Island FC will participate in a number of competitive, friendly matches in preparation for the opening game of the 2024 USL Championship regular season. Following the conclusion of the preseason slate in Florida, RFC will shift gears and intensify preparations for the upcoming 2024 USL Championship regular season. So I I, I looked up the academy. Uh, It's primarily focused on two things, uh, tennis there's a big tennis push for the facilities there. And then there's been a lot of Generation Adidas support for uh, youth prospects and youth development for uh, players that are kind of coming up in the MLS Next or MLS programs. Um, so, And I think a couple of the under 18 and under 17s have trained for Olympic or you know like U18 World Cup matches there. So this facility is definitely nothing to... Uh, shy away from or say that it's it's not a, a complete package. It's a really good call to to, to sit here. I, I don't. The only thing I didn't check is where exactly Brandonton is. I think it's on the Tampa side of Florida, um, which puts them pretty close to USL headquarters. Uh, I can imagine then we'd at least be seeing scrimmages against the likes of Miami FC and the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um, I don't know. We should probably find out more information about where the rest of the clubs do their spring training so you know i know that in other domestic leagues it's very much either florida or it's arizona and i can imagine for the west coast they probably train in you know arizona like a pre-scott or a scottsdale area um i'd be curious to see how many more teams come down uh that don't have favorable weather in their ability to train or 
maybe they don't want to spend the money to do that. So it'd be really interesting to see what some of those kind of first teams we see scrimmaging against, what that'll look like. Yeah, when I, I saw this announcement, I, I had a similar kind of thought to the, the whole baseball thing. And I know that people will make a event of it to go, go watch those training games. And it got me thinking, like, is that something that maybe as the sport continues to grow here that we can tap into and almost have, like, you said Arizona and Florida, like, hey, these are our, our major training facilities have some scrimmage games, you know, the diehards will show up and, and watch the team like that, kind of make an event out of it. That'd be uh, something I, I I think that the league should look into. So if, if it's Florida, are you saying that we need to ask our our partners if they're willing, if they want to go to Disney World and then this is the, <laughs> this is the trick play to go watch some uh, first team scrimmage? Yeah, I mean, if, they, if they're open to the public. <laughs> well, I think, I think we could. Weasel we could, our way in. We could still get in. I wouldn't. It's not even weasel. It's we would have the club has been very accommodating to us, and I believe yeah, that if I we was, asked to go joking. down, they may not give us like full access to players and whatnot. But I feel pretty confident that they would allow us to go and watch a game on the pitch. Maybe even put us in some shaded area so that we don't burn and you know die there. Well, I in what, February, like I don't know what the weather is at that point of the year, but I don't think we're looking at. Dying. <laughs> too true just early enough that we'd be okay i mean but it's also florida so a florida man could get you too or florida gators like it's other things there that oh yeah you gotta that, watch out for it's the australia of the u.s <laughs> everything <laughs> there is trying to kill you <laughs> i've never really thought of that before that's a that's a great point it's like hey yeah there's some nice places here but you gotta watch out so it's crazy to think that we are only seven months away from our first match but in all fairness to the weather that we were just discussing and talking about, and I think we've said this a couple of other times, I don't know that we've actually sat down and had a meaningful discussion about the reality that we will not be playing our first game, maybe two, maybe even three at at Bernie. It's not going to happen. We're not going to be seeing our home team take the field until maybe a couple of you know results have come in and that kind of makes me wonder too if we're already training in Florida have you speculated where we think we might land as far as uh, as our first actual game do you think it'll be Florida possibly i mean with the headquarters being down there you know they want to see the product too maybe a, a Tampa Bay Rowdies RAFC first first game of the season maybe I wouldn't mind it being Miami. It seems like Miami is a team that is beatable at all times. The Rowdies are making a strong push towards the championship. I wouldn't mind us getting tossed. Let, a, let us let us start off with a you know an easy one. Yeah, get some get some momentum, get some excitement behind the fans that have to learn to love the club. Miami FC, uh, and, and then also too. So I, I had actually talked in a meeting I had with some of the executives at the club. I tried to ask them if they knew already because selfishly for me, if I can make it work. We, we would go, right? We would go mm-hmm. and see the club wherever that is. But, and again, I think we've joked about this already, it would only be convenient if it's a major metropolitan hub. And there are some markets that it's not as convenient as it could be. And so there's a big difference if your first game is against Miami FC or Tampa or any place where fans can easily get to by flight or by, well, I guess flight because you got to avoid the weather. Um, there are, are challenges to getting to Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Colorado Springs switchbacks, or even even in California, like 
Monterey is not that's a drive from Los yeah. Angeles or San Francisco to get down or up it's it's not something that's immediately convenient so I hope that they're able to find the right team I would love to play Las Vegas Lights as our first introduction to the league they I doubt they'll be in any kind of better shape than they are now and plus we can go to <laughs> Vegas afterwards so and I can go to Vegas and put like twenty dollars down on the season for Rhode Island FC and make some money that way as well. <laughs> yeah, that might be a fun trip. I think that would be a good one. I'll be interested to see how many fans can show up for for away travel support. I, I I've been to a USL game now. There wasn't a lot of El Paso fans at Hartford, um, so I don't know how well the clubs travel, um, or maybe it's only for like the games that matter. But it would be fun to see what can happen. And, and I think fans would need to know a little sooner than one month's head notice on what those away games might be. So it'll be an interesting time for sure. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I hope if we can make things work out, we'll go down and check out spring training with the club. And if not, it's just still crazy to know that we're only seven months away from our first, first match. Maybe eight now, I guess, with the whole end of March. But... By timetables, yeah, seven to eight months, and then we're, we'll be watching Rhode Island FC take the field. Yeah, it just uh, keeps creeping up on us. Keep looking over our shoulder, and it's like, oh, not too far away. Agreed. And it's really great, as we've seen a lot of fans start to come out of the woodworks with everything that's been happening as the stadium's really starting to take, excuse me, the club is starting to take some real large strides forward with, with getting this ready. It's It's just, it's not something that people are only talking about online. They're wearing the merch now, they're they're showing up. They're they're displaying their passion and pride for the for the product. So it's been a, it's been a wild ride so far. Um, but I think to kind of finish off the the news that we need to cover, there was additionally a presser that was released uh, a little while ago. We didn't cover it just for time, but just to get make sure that we discuss it. Uh, Rhode Island FC also has announced that they've partnered with two additional companies uh, that are both Rhode Island based, the Hill Group uh, and ABS or Automated Business Solutions. Uh, or abs? Do you think they? Do you think they go by abs, or are they three letters? Um, I, I think they're an ABS kind of people. I mean, mm-hmm. some some pronunciations in Rhode Island are weird. There's Gomes and there's Gomez. So I think. Well, I think that's that. the difference between like Spanish and Portuguese. I mean, yeah, but we don't call it that. We say it's a Rhode Island thing. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> so uh, those two companies. So the Hill Group is a leading property and uh, casualty. Employee benefits insurance brokerage, uh, as well as an advisory an advisory uh, firm with the New England platform headquartered in Cranston. Uh, I don't know what a casualty employee benefit casualty employee benefit insurance is. That where you get hurt on the job? Like, are these bad people then? (laughs) (laughs) Is Is this the necessary evil where it's just like, hey, we need to have insurance in case something. Nothing's going to happen, right? It's not we're not going that, to. No, we're safety. Zero <laughs> days since the last safety incident. But, but yeah, so there's that group. And then uh, they've said that they're the top 15, one of the top 15 U.S. insurance agencies um, in America. So nice. That's a, that's a fun stat. And then with ABS, uh, and I love this one, they're an office technology and managed service provider that offers comprehensive office productivity solutions. I can't read today. Uh, that's a hard one. Productivity solutions to businesses of all sizes. So basically, we have our we have our office supplier because you know you got You need staples. 
You need okay. pens. We couldn't, we couldn't get that Staples contract. It didn't work out. I mean, okay, all things do, said. You want, do you do want to be a Rhode Island anyway? Yeah, oh yeah. They, they, well, like, probably less now with like the whole work from There's like one every home. 50 miles or something. <laughs> but I mean, I'm glad we didn't just get the oh, Amazon yeah. or Staples contract oh, yeah. to service those things. It's great that we go went on, out and found on. a business. That's how you want to do it. Yeah, 100%. So those make absolute sense to me. I wonder if we're going to use the Hill Group for insurance for the stadium, oh, is that a casualty employee benefit for a player if they get hurt on the field? Possibly, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know enough about <laughs> insurance and and such. Really sad too, because I'm dating like, someone who's deep in insurance. So you'd think I would have taken the time to find that out, but uh, mistakes were made. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. So then into, so from the news, we just need to start jumping into a lot of the conversations, but uh, I wanted to make sure that we kind of talked about our player tracker as we know it right now. So uh, in the last few weeks, we've mentioned some ideas of who we think may be players that are coming on. Uh, and I found, I thought it was really interesting. Coach went on one of the local uh, news broadcasters to do a quick segment, a little plug to hype the, the RFC and, uh, you know, after they peppered him with what's going on with the stadium questions, uh, he did get into some of the breakdown of, of what the team building process looks like and what to expect. And uh, he told the news that they're in the process of actually negotiating several offers with players that have been already put out there. We have it on our sources that the players are already basically at the contract level. Um, we can't say anything yet from what we know, but that those are things that are happening. Uh, but what I thought was really interesting that they, that Coach shared on the news station was that some of this release conversation uh, is in a holding pattern because of league rules where they need to be released at certain times. I don't know that that... I understand that. I need we, we should probably learn more about that so that in future seasons we can kind of understand when to expect announcements of that nature um, because I don't know what that hurts the league. I could understand if... I, I understand trade windows, but I don't understand when a club is brand new what those impacts are. Um, so that was kind of interesting to me. But then I've also heard um, that, you know, whoever we do sign as our first few players, we want to make sure that those are those, you know, impact players that are the ones to really excite people around the club, uh, around the fan base to to make sure that, like, it's not your third string goalkeeper. In this. We kind of mentioned that. I, I think some... From what we're hearing and from what it sounds like from that interview is that conversations are already being had. There's maybe even like it's, someone hasn't actually signed the paper, but they've agreed to it in a sense. But because of the league's rules, they can't just come out and say this. So there's work already being done in the background. Potential candidates are probably already, at, you know, in the pipeline. But until the USL allows the team to, nothing's going to happen. And in in that sense, sure maybe there are some some of the some of the harder to get the bigger like the marquee signings that excite people, maybe some of those are still being worked on and those would be some of the ones you want to be the first announcement. And then after that, oh yeah, by the way, we picked up, you know, like you said, third string goalkeeper, backup right back, you know, uh rotational center mid, stuff like that. You mean he can't just buy the entire U.S. or uh, U.S. Excuse me, the uh, entire loyal team and just bring them all over as a group and say, "I did it, I built a team." <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially with the their recent form, that might not be a bad idea. 
it, it I do find it interesting with the the way that you you can't really announce this and the the kind of the regulations. And if we're already having conversations with some of these people, you, you know, I don't I don't know how closely you follow some of the transfer rumors abroad, but sometimes you hear of um, clubs trying like when someone's contract is winding down. They'll get mad at each other and say, oh, you're tapping them up when they're like, you're talking to this guy when you're to kind of, it's not an appropriate window for you or you've not gone through official channels. Like I didn't come to you and say, hey, I need to talk to this guy. His contract's going to expire. I want to sign him because you're still trying to get him to resign because you don't want to lose him. So yeah, I, I don't know how it, some of that works over here. It's interesting that we've, to hear that we've kind of already got some of this maybe in, in the process. No, yeah, that's those are all those are all great points. I I still don't understand free agency pickup when your league is off cycle with the rest of the sporting world. Um, if to because again, like a free agent that is in existence now wouldn't be a free agent in January, right? You need someone who is available to pick up maybe in the December window if you're starting to build your team for the next season, if, if we weren't brand new. And that's not when usually players are in free agency. So I don't understand how that hurts or helps a technical decision in making an acquisition because of the fact that we don't play with the rest of the, the, the soccer uh, schedules, if you will. So it, it's, it's interesting to under, try to understand that. I think it makes tackling picking up those players more difficult for sure, uh, which is, again, why I think we should just buy the entire Loyal and then start from there. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting because it, you see in comparison because to MLS, who has a similar type of schedule, when they pick up their marquee signings, they're always summer signings because that's when they become free agents from their club. During the winter or, or our off season, when a lot of the others have their middle-of-the-season markets, you, you don't tend to see a lot of big-name pickups. It's maybe some people who are kind of on the fridges. No, it's actually they're... the other way. It's usually departures, right? Those are, those are players that aren't going like, to continue forward with the club in the next season, and the, those clubs need well, to reload. Yeah, from, 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 from our standpoint, but like, like in the sense of... So Messi came to Miami here in the summer, right? right. That doesn't happen in the winter because his contract is not up in the winter. He's still in the middle of the season. And because America doesn't have the purchasing power to like pay the buy out those contracts, you don't see assigning those big type of names right before the MLS season starts. And in the same vein, USL has a similar schedule where we run from, you know, early spring to like late fall, early winter. So you, not that we could pick up a name like that, but if we are trying to make a bigger name contract, it's, we'd have to look into leagues that have a similar schedule to pick them up on our quote unquote off season. Because for the rest of the world who follows the like, you know, FIFA schedule or whatever you want to call it, they're in the middle of their season. That's not going to happen. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I am curious. Do you, do you think we know? how much money will splash out on a player for a signing? Because we've talked earlier in the in the pod about what the normal range for a salary player of a USL caliber 
um, player is. But I don't, I don't know. I actually don't know the highest paid player in the league. I know that it doesn't usually exceed the the six digit mark. But I'm curious. I wonder what will pay, and because acquisitions and players are getting more and more expensive in this in this world nowadays. So I wonder. I wonder if our first signing will be a budget. Like it's just a, it's the right move, and it's a free agent move, or if we'll go out and do a head hunt, and, and what does that cost? I, I I really hope eventually we can get access to some of that not the CBA stuff, but what those player contracts look like, because really all we have is transfer market to determine what uh, value. And that value is usually based on, you know, prior season contracts that we find out were disclosed after the player has already moved into the current one. So do you, what do you think? Do you think we'll see a big purchase, a marquee? I wouldn't be surprised if the club splashes out a little bit to kind of, kind of come onto the scene and to a certain extent make a name for ourselves. Obviously, we can't, you know, field a whole team of this, but, you know, maybe that marquee signing will be like a veteran of the league or something, one of the, you know, uh, like a top playmaker or a top scorer or something like that to really say, like, we mean business. I hope so. I hope so. And it'll be really interesting how they, they play that up. So in non-player rumors, I think just to kind of quickly recap the USL in the last week, uh, what are we what are we talking about today? Are we talking about power ranker? We're we gonna go back to the standings. How how do you want to cover this? Uh, we can do a little bit of both here. Real little column quick. A, little column B. Yeah. So um, we we've got some feedback that um, because we are separated into two conferences, that people kind of care more about the Eastern Conference. So I think we'll definitely go with that. Um, quickly looking at where our random teams that we selected for for the year though, <laughs> yeah, how they're that's doing. Right. So, because uh, that's all I will care about that's going on over there in the West. Uh, you're at eight in the eighth spot, El Paso, Moco, El Paso Locomotive FC. You find they finally got a win I, after a long period of uh, losses. I'm convinced now that it's me. Like before, I was convinced that it was me <laughs> because I had accepted this team. I went and saw them in person. They won. Now I'm not watching them again in person, and they're losing. So El Paso may need to think about flying me to wherever they are for the remainder of the season (laughs) if they want to get those Ws. Yeah, get their form back in check. Um, And Rio Grande Valley FC in 11th. So uh, have they moved at all? um, I think at one at one point they did. They had they won a few weeks back. They went up to 10th. And they were like, "We're not comfortable being this high up. We better." Yeah. So. And if, if the lights weren't there as a punching bag, <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, so that's that's all we're going to talk about for the West for now. Uh, maybe maybe as we get to the end, we'll kind of you know what are the final standings address that Eastern Conference though. Up top, we got Pittsburgh Riverhounds SC in first, Tampa Bay Rowdies in second, third is uh, Charleston Battery, fourth Louisville City FC. Indy 11 at 5th. They've been in good form recently. Memphis 901 FC. Yeah, those are awesome. Memphis 901 in 6th. Birmingham Legion in 7th. And Tulsa rounding out the 8th spot. So did you did you hear all of the, the drama about the recent Tampa Bay game in Hartford? Yeah. Um, basically all of Hartford got COVID. <laughs> and, Which isn't a laughing matter. Yeah, no, no, no. It's It's... It's 
it sucks that it's still kind of something that we have to deal with. Um, but so they, their team, they did not have a lot of players available. They didn't have a goalkeeper for the game. They had to assign a 25-day a contract to a goalkeeper to be able to field. They didn't, they didn't do one of those things where, like, their goalkeeper gets red carded. You don't have the backup goalkeeper. So then it's like, I don't know, my right back is now my Well, so I think they would have done that, except they only, I think they only brought 13 people. Oh, man. So they, they, they made three 25-day contract offerings to people that weren't even on the squad in any capacity just to field enough depth that they could put out a somewhat competent uh, team. Do you think we could get put on a short list for like 25-day contracts if something like this ever happens to RAFC? So when Hartford... We just have to stay in like a minimum, like, hey, I, I can give you this level of <laughs> exertion. <laughs> and if, you know, worst case scenario... Uh, you know, call me up. <laughs> so it's funny is when Hartford announced this. So there, there was a lot of drama about this where they went on social media and started posting that uh, they had reached out to the, the club, Tampa Bay. They had reached out to the league uh, and said, hey, we can't play this game. We need to move it. And the USL said no. They said that Tampa Bay agreed that the game should be postponed, um, but that it was the league's decision to not do it. And in that post... There were a ton of people saying, "Sign me to a one-day contract. I got you, fam." Uh, there were a lot of people that like, I can I can stand in in between the poles. I can guard that net. I can do a job. Yeah, <laughs> and so um, it was really interesting. But but what was crazy is as we've come into the league, is there were some people, and this is where you need to get your tinfoil hats on, where they said, "Oh, this is because Tampa Bay Rowdies are obviously Tampa Bay. Where is headquarters, Jason?" Uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, right? it's in Tampa Bay. So allegedly, and I have to make allegedly. sure that we don't get uh we don't get fined later for this. That um, a lot of the executives who follow you know the, the sport that they're managing over, they're Tampa Bay fans to a certain extent, um, and so they want to do anything and everything to make sure that Tampa Bay uh, succeeds. And so while you could argue that Hartford being in last place, it really didn't matter the results. It was more important that Tampa Bay got the win, so why not beat up on a team that's already been crippled and make sure that you secure that that W so that you can lock in your playoff chances and standings and, and you know get the clinch that you need. So there was this this conversation uh kind of developing online about how this was all a huge plot by the USL executives to make sure that their golden boy child team uh, you know stood out above the rest and got an easy an easy win. Uh, I, in further investigation, as I start asking questions from people that I know that I'm building relationships with around the league, uh, they said that this narrative happens every year. So Tampa Bay may need to become one of those conversations where they're the, they're the spoiled darling of the league. Whenever things go their way, it's all been pre-orchestrated. And when things don't go their way, it'll be a, don't worry, you know, the execs will, will switch some rule in the near future to make sure that they, they benefit from it. Okay, so it, it's like in the MLS, whenever a team gets, you know, a big marquee signing from Europe, and then they say, oh, just Don Garber's favoring them, that kind of thing. What was it uh, before Messi? It was the LA Galaxy. It was the Beckham rule? Yeah. Yeah, so same same idea. So I, I, I won't subscribe to it until I see it happen, and then I'll be, in, I'll be furious. Not until we have a, a stake in the game. <laughs> RFC is getting... We're not getting know. the calls our way. Some random ghost fouls are happening. 
Yeah, I think though the reality though too, we're getting to the uh, the end of the the season here. I don't know if there's a lot of room. No, and to, that's that's yeah, what they came out and said game. is it's too the schedule's too congested. Uh, they they can't make that happen. And I think if Hartford was in probably a deeper or a, a spot higher on the table, I should say, there may have been a conversation. But they have they have less than twenty points, I think, still. So. They're, they're not coming into any kind of playoff race. So while it's frustrating for the other teams that are fighting for their life to stay in the playoff line and Tampa got that easy win, uh, I wouldn't even say it was so easy because Hartford scored first and the game came down to a very, very climatic uh, finish in extra time to, to give Tampa the win. So, uh, and I think the guy that scored the goal for them is one of, in Hartford was one of their 25 day contract players. So maybe he can make something of that for himself. Like good, good for him. But, um, but all things said and done, it's just, it's really unfortunate that it happened that way. And you kind of, as weird as, and I'm sure some of the fans are going to hate me for saying this. You don't want to see that happen to your rivals, you know, and I hope if something ever happened to RIFC, like in that capacity, that Hartford Athletic would have our backs and say, hey, like, that's not, that's not the right thing to do in this space. So, you know, you want, you want soccer to be fun for all and you want it to be equal for all as well. So, yeah, and you always want to put down your rival at full strength because that, then there's no, there's no concessions. They can say, whoa, if we didn't play their backup goal, it was like, no, 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 we played you at your best. We beat you. You suck. <laughs> I think I saw that recently in an open cup game where, I forget who it was, but one of the MLS teams fielded their third string and they got beat. And then they said, oh, well, that's not fair. And it's like, you scheduled your third string team. I think it was even maybe some of their academy team. And, and if that's the chance you want to take, then fine. But when you get knocked out, you can't go cry about it, right? Yeah. At, at that point, rotation happens. Just got to plan it better, maybe. Yeah, don't get, don't get COVID. And don't, give, don't give it to 10 of your players. <laughs> Which is still mind-boggling that 10 people all got at the same time. That means they're either sharing water bottles, they're all kissing the same person. I don't know what. They all shared a pizza together. They're like doing like really, really close-up rondos. <laughs> <laughs> at that point, is it even effective? Probably one of Ted Lasso's training techniques or something, you know? Um, awesome. Okay, well, on to our main story for the night. You ready for this? Because there's, uh, there's some controversy ahead controversy we may have some of our first uh dynamic disturbances with the club i mean we talked about wicked good soccer recently and how that that's seen as both a hit and a miss depending on which side of the coin you're on but we had some additional stuff so rhode island fc drops wicked good soccer and then the very next day they have their uh their ticketing for season ticket members they start the event and we've we've talked a couple of times since the event is now very much in the past about where we got our seats, but there were some controversies on the day that we need to go over and make sure uh, get covered. So uh, jumping right into this, uh, the the first thing, and I think that's really important that we cover is, is as of this recording, um, and through some manual counting of seats at Bernie, uh, we were able to take away that it looks like there's over a 63% conversion rate so far on season ticket memberships. Um, I know that that was a really big talking point on, you know, the naysayers saying no one's going to go to North Smithfield. No one's going to go to a college stadium to watch this this stupid game. If you can't have me downtown and, and I don't want to be a part of this yet. 
Um, and so some people were saying there'd be zero conversion. Some people said there'd be 25. And I can tell you after only three days of the actual event taking place, they're already at over 61%. And that's a conservative 61% because there definitely seems to be some clustered areas where they maybe still have that on reservation for like away supporters, or maybe they want to do something with, um, the, uh, the AYSO, uh, groups and like youth organizations that may come in. There's just too many tickets clustered in certain areas that it doesn't seem like those were open for the general public. Uh, and when we had talked, uh, with the executives at the club, they were thrilled. They, they were completely thrilled with the initial results. Um, they were really blown away by the support that people had reached out. Uh, and they said they were actually also surprised uh, to understand that there are additional uh, people and, and numerous, that their words, numerous people um, who are already looking to place orders that didn't get in on the season ticket window uh, the first time around, or they're just looking to pick up single game or mini plan ticket options uh, when they go on sale to the general public. So overall appreciation and, and uh, support has been amazing. And after three days, already converting 63% of your base Remembering that if you got a hundred percent conversion, the stadium would be sold out every game right out the door. I, I see this as nothing but positive takeaways. What do you think? Yeah, I think realistically, you you do have to leave some room open for, like you said, maybe there are some groups, AYSO or something. You have events, and as this happens, you have to have some tickets to be able to sell to people, like maybe like week before day of at, you know, the soccer crazies like ourselves are, are hyped. We're there. We're ready. But some of this, like not everyone was like, it'll just hit them all of a sudden. Like, Oh, there's, there's a soccer game this weekend. Okay. Yeah, I'll go. Right. And then there has to be some tickets available for those people to, to be able to go and buy. Agreed. Agreed. I, I will be really curious if those reservations we see are for the people that they need to have a certain number of tickets. I don't know if that's the right way to conduct business at that point. Um, but what was really interesting to me is when you looked at the spots that were filled up, and I went back and just made sure that this was still an accurate statement, every single one of the most ex like expensive field seats, the suites, or the bench seats that were the most expensive ones in that bracket ma uh, heat map of the ticket price options, those were all sold out. So I, I thought that those would be the hardest ones to sell because there was so much argumentative noise from people that weren't even really interested in the product. They just wanted to compare it to Revs or the Providence Bruins or, or any other kind of sporting event uh, locally that said it was just too much money to, to invest or to buy those kinds of memberships. And lo and behold, they were the first thing sold out across the board. So whether that was because of corporate partnerships and, you know, companies bought them out, what have you. Hey, Rhode Island FC got their money for it. And they are, they are just running with, they're cooking with, they're cooking with gas at this point. And what's really interesting is the only spots left are really the ones behind the back of the net, uh, with the exception of the supporters group, which doesn't surprise me because it's one, one of the cheapest points, but also people wanting that kind of position on the field and be a part of that experience. They're almost uh, sold out. I'd say they're over 60%, maybe even 70% of what they have available. Um, there's really just kind of like the wings on each of the corners, which historically are the tickets that don't do as well when you when you look at people and where they buy um, options like that. I, I Again, I just, I cannot, 
say enough that if people were afraid that the stadium wouldn't get built, that's been quelled. And now if they were afraid people wouldn't show up, that also has just been completely satisfied in my mind and, and blown away. Yeah, that's awesome. It, it sounds like we're doing doing really good, heading in the right direction and all this stuff. And just a slight tangent, it's unfortunate that these naysayers have a platform to constantly yell at us. <laughs> it is what it is, freedom of speech, et cetera. And these people, like, when are they going to, you know, give it up? I've been replying to so many comments on some of the Facebook algorithms to people that just want to complain about the club in whatever capacity that I've become a top fan on some of the main news agents after only doing this for a month of just arguing back with people. I've become a top fan. So my word now has more clout than some of these other people who just like, oh, that's an article. I need to complain about taxes and soccer's dumb and move <laughs> on with my diary. These people just need to be labeled as like, you know, let them post their things, but they're just let them yell into a void. Don't don't let anyone see this. <laughs> I used to I used to really appreciate where you could see someone's um, social score on things where in like the YouTube algorithm where they used to have the likes and the dislikes, but they got rid of the dislikes. At least not that's just not publicly available. Um, I, I don't want to ever get to a place where we're governing or making decisions based on people's appreciation of each other because then it just becomes fake and inflated anyways. But I wish you could just see someone's total like or dislike count as they post just to go, okay, oh, yeah, this is a troll. I don't need to engage with this person. No one should take this person seriously. Yeah, just this person is just putting a lot of negativity out there. I, I just don't want to deal with it. This person hates America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so with the good must come the bad. So a little bit of controversy in the ticketing uh, piece, depending on who you ask. I think some people, this was a, a blowover or a watershed moment. And for others, this was a you know call to arms. But um, with the ticket window announcements and as people started making ticketing purchases, uh, after they had completed their ticket purchase, uh, another screen came up informing them about parking and how it was going to cost money to park your car at uh, Bernie Stadium uh, at Bryant University for the 2024 season. And there was a lot of opinion thrown out there, um, some good, some bad. And I wanted to kind of say my take because people asked me immediately. I actually helped clear the air when, when it broke because people were like, what does this mean? And so I reached out to the club and got some information. But um, here's, here's, how, here's, where I, here's where I stand on this is, one, I think it was a poor take from the club to not announce that with the initial ticket information because, you know, not everyone has a lot of money and when they make big financial purchase decisions like this nature, uh, they need to know everything and, and plan that out. And to buy the parking pass for the season was something like 227 additional dollars. And... So just, just throwing that money out there as an ask at the end, it probably caught a lot of people off guard. So I would recommend that in the future that the stadium make sure that they bring that along with. Um, and I, I, the thing is, is that I don't think that people are necessarily mad that there is a cost to park. A lot of stadiums, a lot of sporting events charge for parking. Um, I think where the miss here is, is that it's twofold. One is the revs don't charge for parking. 
And that's because they have a giant football stadium and all of the things that handle that. And they've just never decided to do that. So again, when you compare yourself to the closest brother or sister up the road and they're not charging for parking and you're a, you know, quote unquote, lesser product because you're division two, I think that rubs people a little bit, you know, the wrong way. Additionally, for anyone that's ever been to Bryant University to watch a game because it's collegiate, they don't charge you for parking to go and attend that. But the reason that they're probably doing that in this day and age for the RFC games is because, one, that's still an active college, right? You're taking away parking from the students. So that's a problem. And, and then, two, you know, my guess here is everything costs money. And the fact that we're renting all of the facilities, they probably have to recoup as many dollars as they can. Um, and I also think probably, too, and we learned this, that there's not going to be a ton of the parking spaces available on site. They're going to have to shuttle fans in from other places, probably other corporation parking lots that are around that, that Smithfield area. So like that's logistics that they have to pay for that they didn't anticipate. So all in all, I'm not really upset that there is a cost. I just wish I had seen that up front. And then I think the other thing, too, before I, I hand it over to you is the only other reason I would say, like, why you could be up in arms about this is the stadium was promised to the fans to be downtown. Obviously, we've had the delay. But with that delay, people now have to go potentially way out of their way to come up to the stadium. You and I have discussed already, like, we could probably bicycle there in about 45 minutes if we wanted to. Or we get the boat and we ring the boat up, right? But having said that with no option but to drive now we have to take a car we have to pay a, a parking t you know price just to do what maybe was a completely different interaction for us uh you know 6 months ago so i can understand the frustrations behind that i wish that the club had also been a little bit more transparent about what the parking pass what the logistics would be where if there's going to be these buses that we've joked about and they can shuttle you up to the stadium Tell me more about that. If that works for my schedule and I don't have to be at the game super early or I can still make it when I want to be there and I can still get guaranteed a spot if I have to stay late to talk to players or to fans, like let me know what that is. Maybe I would have made a different decision on if I needed to buy that or not. Additionally, I didn't understand the, what I was getting with that pass. Am I getting a special parking lot? Am I getting special privileges? Am I even getting a discount by buying and spending you know, all of this money to buy you know, 17 parking passes immediately up front. Like, none of that was explained. So from a communication and transparency thing, like to see that that is done a little bit better on the next go-around. Uh, we all know that parking is going to be a major issue in downtown Pawtucket um, that they're still trying to address for when the stadium goes live. But, uh, yeah, so, sorry, I I had to get all of that out there. Where where were your feelings on that? <laughs> no, 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 got you. Um, I, I think realistically... I I'd never thought about parking really because, you know, Bryant is free to park at, but it does make sense. And like you said, I think realistically it's a cost that they have to recruit people as speaking to them in a whole are terrible and they're probably will make a mess and that's going to require some cleanup. You know, people just throwing trash in the parking lots, there's, there's stuff like that that is going to require extra work that the club is going to have to pay for because we can't just go in there and trash their university. Um, I think just like you said, that if there was a little more kind of open communication about this, maybe it wouldn't have been a big deal, or if they could have planned it better and timed it in the way that they're like, hey, so the reality is you're, you're going to have to pay for parking. 
However, we do have another option here where we will bus you in and kind of maybe like maybe you can meet up at this certain spot, like get to here and this bus will take you there. You'll get you, you know, let's say an hour before whatever the game and then maybe, you know, 15, 30 minutes after the game's over, we're going to take you back there. Something something like that. to Because, to, you know, this is America. For the most part, you do have to have a car. But with the initial stadium being in downtown Pawtucket, where we eventually will get to, you know, that does give options for people locally to just maybe walk, bike, bus, you know, but now that option is maybe not there, depending, you know, like, I, I just don't know. Right. And I mean, you know, even if people drive to the stadium in Pawtucket, they may park in some neighborhood and walk five blocks in. You know, I, I, I hope the city is able to find a way that on game days they can re- recoup that money for themselves because, again, that's that partnership. But it just it just came off as, okay, and, and for for listeners, you know, we... We bought tickets. We bought four tickets. And so, you know, here comes $1,200 out of our pockets. And to be hit with a $230 additional tack on at the very end was kind of like, what is going on here? Um, so, you know, I, I don't think anything was wrong. It's just bad way to set up expectations. And I think it's a learning opportunity. This is a brand new club brand new processes and some of these are temporary processes maybe they didn't even have to think about this until suddenly they had to realize that we'd be playing on a on a different field for the for game for the first season so yeah and i think to be fair to them part of this whole process is figuring out how how the whole temporary house is going to work when the idea is we were not going to be there you know agreed agreed and so it'll be like everything will work out I hope that because I heard a very small number in comparison to the number of tickets that are available. Obviously, it's not like one person per car kind of situations when you think about traveling up to watch a game. Um, but the numbers that I read, I was told by the front office, and I don't want to quote it because I don't know if it was shared on or off the record. But it's it's not the largest number that would reflect a full capacity of the stadium. So I'm wondering. Are they selling the pass and you may end up in the shuttled lot regardless? Or because again, nothing was explained with that ticket price. You know, did I get a spot now? Because we we bought one because we wanted to make sure that we were uh, as close to the stadium as possible. But did we get a parking spot next to the stadium, or did we get a parking spot? Did we just get guaranteed a parking spot that we may have to be shuttled? Yeah, at? I wonder. I wonder if part of that just comes down to first come first serve, in a sense of you know, like when you go to a sporting event. If you are not there earlier enough, you start getting to like, oh, right. we're yeah. shut, we're the, sending you to that back lot, and you got to walk all the way. So what you're saying is, game day will now start at 8 a.m. for us on Saturdays, <laughs> even though the game might not start until 7 p.m. <laughs> I more, love it. At that point, it's more game lifestyle. <laughs> you know, I don't think I can stay sober for 14 hours before a game. I'm just saying, <laughs> there's a certain point where there's nothing to do but to, you know partake in festivities around the uh, around the stadium so um but yeah so back to it i i'll be really curious to see what the the fans think overall of it um i can say that general response from who we've met and talked to as of late has been nothing but positive um it's been really interesting we've connected with rhode island fc um in a couple of their events that they've been doing over the last few weeks 
uh, and getting to meet people who have been on the radar to be season ticket members or being really interested in the club from day one, but haven't been investing in things like the discord or the supporter group or us as a podcast, just getting to talk to them, the, the familiarity they have when they get the excitement they get to see when they say, Oh, Hey, like here's some more fans. It's just been nothing but like really positive so far. And yeah, it's just, it's always exciting when you see other people uh, having the same passion and the same, celebration of of both the club and the future success of of the the team and just the passion of of the fans that are coming together uh we ran out of stickers to give to people that's how many like new people we've already introduced to like just you know attendance or awareness of of the podcast as well as the supporter group again and we've seen an out pouring of additional people joining the discord who like hey i just heard about this and i've already been a season ticket member for you know four months didn't know that this was a the community was already growing at this rate so just really again i i don't want to sound like the cheerleader but it's really hard not to be when there's just this many people excited getting around you and, and being excited with you yeah it's awesome it's like every time we go out we see you know a shirt here a hat there things like that it's slowly starting to starting to build up Agreed. Now we just need those kits to release. Yeah. So. Any day now. Save your money for the Christmas season. That's all I'm going to tell anyone that's listening is be prepared to splash out for the uh, for the holidays. Yep. <laughs> Got to open a savings account just for this. What's the meme? <laughs> I will never financially recover yeah. from this. <laughs> and speaking of season ticket member gifts outside of the kits, uh, the scarves have been finally uh, announced for the season ticket members for the first season. Uh, we saw them and anyone that was paying attention to the socials. The images actually got leaked uh, a couple weeks ago uh, in advance, so that was probably just a misstep by the club. They, they took them down immediately, but those that had screen grabs, they went and grabbed them. Um, but those are now available for uh, for the fans. Uh, I mean, look, they're going to release a million scarves over the next you know, 10 to 20 years. Do you have any take or opinion on it? Is do they do well with it? Is like how do you feel about that? I mean, we're trying to limit the amount of storage units in Rhode Island, right? So, I mean, where am I going to put all these scarves? <laughs> so, so you don't need like pictures or paintings or wallpaper. You can just do scarf walls. They're great for insulation to keep your room warm. And you just you just start stacking them up over and over again, so it's okay. perfect. And then you just use like a um, a power washer, but with like steam instead, right? Exactly, so just to clean your yeah. wall. Yeah, hundred percent, exactly. Uh, but I mean, look, it's a scarf. It says that you're a season ticket member. Maybe I think it even says the inaugural. I, I don't have the image up. It's that lighter blue. It's that like third accent color they they have in their branding kit anything wrong with it or is that completely satisfactory for what a first season ticket member giveaway should be yeah no i i it's cool um i i think that um like i said there's going to be a lot of scarves so we can't eat through all of the designs right away you know right, right. it's it's just like that hey here's here's the other one the alternate one you know even if it's just a different color it's kind of that that limited type of thing that you just can't get by going to buy one. You have to be a part of the season ticket membership. Right. I think that's the fourth scarf that they have. There's like one that they made before they started making scarves. It's in like a nylon material. 
There's the two that are in the club store. That'll be the third. So they're already at four scarves. And again, there's no team yet on the field. So I think it's perfectly fine. I'll be curious to see who uses that one as like, I'm better than you. I am a season ticket member versus maybe a better design that people are willing to spend more money with their season ticket membership discounts that they got now for being season ticket members. Um, but I, yeah, I perfectly fine. Doesn't, doesn't speak any bad things or amazing things. It's, it's wicked good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Defiance. I, I apologize for, for throwing that out there. Um, but for fans that are season ticket members that uh, want to go pick that up, you did receive an email about uh, some additional information about your tickets. Um, and right now you can pick up that uh, scarf from the club's store slash front office, uh, whatever they're – I don't know if they've separated both of those pieces yet – um, at the 175 Main Street office in Pawtucket, uh, Monday through Friday from 10 to 4. So if you want to pick those up, you can. The club has talked about maybe having them on hand when they go to events and bringing some to the tent that they put up, but I don't know that that's actually going to happen yet because uh, some people were already asking in front of us when we went and saw them at the Dragon Boat races, and uh, they didn't have them on them. They're They're trying to get you to go to the store. Um, I don't know what happens. Maybe if you don't pick it up until the game one, you just pick it up on game one day. And yeah, I don't know logistically how how that's gonna work. Do, do they only have enough for everyone? It's like how to make sure no one's trying to be uh, mischievous and double dipping or something. I I mean, if you're gonna double dip, like come on, get yeah, over yourself. Cool. We have technically we have four, so maybe we'll give. I don't know. I don't. Maybe we shouldn't say we'll give away. To <laughs> our girlfriends may want those, and your wife may want those scarves. So. Um, but yeah, so that's that's where we're at with that. And then I think, honestly, with the scarves and the tickets, I think we've covered enough with the club today. We we don't have any exciting, amazing, hot breaking news this week. I know there was some loan discussions on like how the how the money was working to fund the rest of the stadium, but we're not really going to go into what that is because we know it's the loan. We know what it. We know that the financing is there. It's not worth kind of breaking down those mechanics. Um, and I think, I think, and we also haven't had any events right now that we're so far into the future that the club doesn't have any additional events yet that they can post. So we're running a little dry on, on content this week. It's a problem for when it happens when you time travel, you know, you can't tell people what's happening in the future, (laughs) (laughs) but we can say that we do have some exciting interviews next week and the week after that with president Brett Louie and from the Rhode Island FC and, uh, John Morrissey from the USL. So we, you know, we will be giving you better content than uh, not having enough to talk about now, uh, but those are going to come in the next uh, week or two. Do we, uh, do we have any questions this week? Yeah, we got a listener question here from Rich, and he wants to know, with the Loyal exiting USL, do we think there are other USL clubs at financial risk? From closing, like shutting their doors? Yeah, I'm thinking maybe he, he's saying this. Because ultimately... They are shutting down financial risk in the sense that they don't have a stadium. And now with Big Brother MLS coming in there, they're probably going to, you know, get an MLS stadium before they can. So, like, how do they recoup that that money? Because they, they're having to share the profits currently, the tickets with, is it Torero, right? Uh, for, for the Loyal, yeah, it was Torero Stadium. It was UC, US, USD. So, yeah, um... I, I think with Miami, you know, with Inter-Miami there, maybe that's an issue. I know that 
Um, you had mentioned that they have a very rich owner. The only thing I wonder about something like that is at, at a certain point, does he, like, what if he loses interest, you know? Right, like it's a passion project that he's not interested in passionately supporting and losing money to anymore. No, that, that's, a, that's a good point. You know, I haven't, I haven't really thought of it um, in terms of who would close because like, you hear all of the conversations taking place nowadays about the league introduction fees and it's, it's at 20 million now for just USL championships. So it's weird to be talking about teams that may not make it. Uh, not to say that doesn't happen with this league. It's, it's very much an at-risk thing. Um, I, I still think there is risk for the clubs that are in the sites of MLS target markets. So I've heard a lot of conversation about Detroit wanting a team there. I think Las Vegas is still a spot that wants uh, a club, uh, to be put in from an MLS level. Um, I, I, and in Miami already does have that market. So yeah, no, I, I think that the MLS probably is the biggest threat to USL right now in terms of existence. Um, outside of that, it's like you said, it's the it's the clubs that rent their stadiums uh, and are not playing in soccer specific venues. Um, a couple of clubs are breaking ground on that right now. So Indy Eleven has their soccer specific stadium being built. Uh, New Mexico United is building uh, their stadium at Balloon Fiesta Park. Um, so those are already in play. So I think it's really only the stadiums that are at risk for the, the rental or, or especially the baseball conversion stadiums. Those seem like I've seen the grass in some of those and it's just, it's slipping where it's on dirt and it doesn't seem like it's even safe for the players. Um, so I'm not really sure how much longer we can sustain that as a professional league. If we're renting in the wrong sporting venue, like it, at least get, you know, a track and field park to play in and put some bleachers in versus, um, versus a baseball stadium in that sense. I will say that if you go by attendance, uh, the clubs are at the most risk from that perspective outside of the ones we've already mentioned. Memphis 901 and um, Loudoun United seem to be the most at risk just based by attendance. They're not really pulling... They're the weakest teams in terms of uh, performance now along with Miami. So if that's an indicator or a, a barometer of danger, then that would be where I would lean. Um, fun fact about Loudon, by the way, they just announced that they're converting over to Capelli Sport, so the same kit providers that we use. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But yeah, th that's kind of us. yeah, just stealing our homework. Um, but that's that's where I would say the risk is. But I, I don't want to think about that, right? I don't want any other clubs to 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 fold or to, yeah, you, to you, fail. You don't want to see clubs fold, and I and I hope that if MLS is coming in to steal our lunch. I hope that in the future, maybe at least they can work out something where they're at least taking on some of the, you know, like we talked about last time with people losing their jobs and stuff like that. You you hate to see that them just come in, you know, knock over your stack and just like, nope, this is, we're coming in here doing our own thing. This is my milk chick now, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, really good question there, Rich. Thanks for asking it. Uh, and so I'll ask you a question for the final for the final thing of the day. Uh, so last week we announced the one thousand. I, I think by this one we'll be at at least two thousand because that's like that's the number sequence that we're going towards. Um, but where, if I were to ask you, outside of the domestic USA, where are we trending right now in the world? Ooh. Um... 
maybe did you make an impression with any of the Icelanders? Do we have any listeners? Not a single listen in Iceland, no, no sadly. Reykjavik? Nope, no. not a single one. So we are thriving in two specific spaces, and I don't know why, but I'm really curious. So we're thriving in, in the Netherlands, and it's not just one spot, it's all over, and Japan. There are people in Japan and the Netherlands consuming the heck out of our podcast. That's that's interesting. I, I would be curious if that has anything to do with VPNs. I forget exactly where in the U.S., but like you see somewhere in the Midwest is if... So, so the number one account that listens to us in terms of location is Topeka, Kansas, because for some reason that's where all the VPN traffic for the United States goes. Um, so, but these are all... So the way the heat map works is it shows me general areas and then it shows me clip counts uh, like listens excuse me so i don't think it's i don't think it's a if it was one spot in the netherlands or one spot in japan then i would say yeah i don't think that's what it is i i I think it's there are fans or maybe it's a couple fans who travel around their countries in fact i can go even further we had two listens in ireland and i know that was coach listening to the podcast (laughs) while he was checking out bohemians um nice so it's just it's just really fun to like get into the data again i I stay away from the total listens because i don't want to be that person who's working towards likes but looking at the heat map and the impressions of it um it's been really exciting i even found we have a new mexico united fan a supporter i should say he's obviously still very much a fan of new mexico united but he's been listening and paying attention because he he's excited to hear our take on being introduced to the league. Um, and he's like, Hey, when you guys come out, come join us for a game. Really be, you know, really excited to, to have you guys jump in green burritos. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ride a balloon, eat a burrito and watch a game. Yeah. We got to go to Kirky. Got to go to get 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 some craziness in Kirky. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's just really interesting. I also saw, in the Rhode Island part of the heat map, we have a lot of people listening from the Hartford area. So I don't know if they're doing you know, reconnaissance or uh, or if they're just so bored and so alienated from their Connecticut product that they want to join something more fun, like Flash on the Pan. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of Connecticut listeners and a lot of Boston listeners too. That one surprised me the most is that, you know, you you very much have the revs. You'd have to drive past the revs to come to us yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe the Rebs haven't really, you know, sunk into some of their hearts and they're kind of... Seems to be the largest common denominator when I ask people that are excited about RFC versus the Rebs, that the Rebs just don't do it for them in the sense of the administration, the way they've managed the team. Soccer-specific stadium seems to be the biggest contention point. And I get it. No one wants to see Gillette not filled because there's just not that big of a draw yet but that same crowd in a soccer specific stadium would be blowing the roof off every every game yeah i mean it's it's disappointing to like when you see the sounders fill up a football stadium and then you see the revs over here it, it not so much isn't isn't the seahawks stadium though in downtown seattle yeah i mean also if we're being honest like they have the Sounders have a lot more history, right? They they go with back soccer, to like sure, but Boston's fans are the biggest sporting fans on the planet. Yeah, it, soccer is still is still growing. It's doing it's doing well here, but it is still not. It's not something you can just like you can go to a and have a random conversation with any probably someone about the Pats, right? 
but how many people are actually going to talk about the revs? Yeah, I agree. You know, it's, it was interesting. I was just reading um, a, a journal that studies um, sporting like product accumulation, and they recently did a favorability study. And again, no idea if this was sponsored by MLS, and it's one of those number games that is easily, you look at it from a certain specific uh, data point, and you can tell a different story from what they polled. MLS is the number one domestic sport in terms of attendance, uh, in terms of what they're interested in, in terms of what they want to pay attention to. Uh, people at a certain age are more invested in soccer now more than anything else. And I think uh, baseball and hockey were actually the, the last two on the, on the list of professional sports. So there's definitely an appetite in the younger generations to continue to see soccer grow. Yeah, it, do, it does seem like that sport, is once it gets a hold of you, it, it almost in a way becomes your lifestyle. <laughs> like you were saying, when you, when you won in saw Hartford, Despite the fact that they have like 18 points, there was a good turnout. Do you remember when we had to look at their record and we couldn't make heads or tails of if they had four draws or <laughs> four losses because the numbers just didn't feel right that it, it could be that many losses in a column? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just the site was weird the way they, they oriented the, the categories. We're not here to bash on Hartford. They, they had COVID, okay? Like leave them alone for, leave them alone for a week. We'll pick back up on them uh, next week. <laughs> but yeah, no, all in all, um, yeah, absolutely. So our biggest fans, Japan, Netherlands, got a fan in New Mexico United, got a couple of fans in uh, in Hartford. The league is listening to us. I've seen some Tampa Bay uh, listening. So it's just been really fun. Uh, I, I don't want to get too much lost in the in the weeds of that. I probably won't look again for a while. But uh but outside of Topeka, Kansas, and that VPNing, we are we're doing we're doing all right for ourselves. So, that being said, still go buy merch from us. You know, we'll be dropping some new stuff in the in the upcoming weeks uh, for your for your purchasing pleasure. Get it now before you realize that you have to save more money for the kits that come out in uh, in the you know the the final months of the year. And uh, just you know, really appreciate everything our fans do to support us. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. Couldn't do this without you. So, uh, Jason, you want to you wanna get us out of here? All right. And if you guys want to connect with us on socials, Twitter at RAFC Podcast, threads at RAFC Podcast, Instagram at Raising Anchor, and www.raisinganchorpodcast.com. Hey, man. As always, a pleasure. And uh, Anchor's up. Always a pleasure, buddy. Anchor's up.